You are listening to the Vine Church Sermon Podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more information about the Vine Church, please visit our website at www.thevinemadison.org. So here's the main point I want you to walk away from this morning, okay? The Lord's Supper, or communion, The Lord's Supper is a means of remembering the gospel, causing us to be spiritually strengthened by looking back and looking forward. Let me say that again. The Lord's Supper is a means of remembering the gospel, causing us to be spiritually strengthened by looking back and looking forward. Let's seek to unpack this. Look at verse 14 of Luke 22. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, there's some on the back tables, and we have new Bibles, so feel free to take one if you don't have one. Verse 14 of Luke 22. And when the hour came, he reclined at table, and the apostles with him, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Now, I want to reflect on this for a second. Why do you think Jesus said that he earnestly desired to eat this Passover with his disciples? Because here's, if, if you imaginatively place yourself in his shoes... In a few hours, he's going to be tortured in one of the most horrific ways contrived by humans, crucifixion. And in a few hours, he's going to be laid prostrate on the ground, crying out to his heavenly father, if there's any way for this cup to pass from me, may it be so, but not my will, but your will be done. He's going to be in agony. Yet he's greatly looking forward to this Passover celebration with his guys. Why would this be? Well, I think it wouldn't be a stretch to say that this text that we're going to unpack this morning is one of the most massive corner-turning events in all the Bible. One of those moments that would have just been burned into the brain of his first disciples. It's one of those moments that you experience in life when you're aware that from this moment on, everything's going to be different. Y'all ever had one of those moments? Can you relate to that? Like, I remember exactly where I was, exactly the words that were spoken um, on 9-11. I'll never forget that. I remember so many things about that day and different conversations and and images kind of burned in my brain of, like, we were sitting here, watching the TV, walking into this apartment building, talking to someone, did you hear what's happening, da-da-da-da-da. Like, I'll never forget that. And and you're watching this, and you're just thinking, all right, everything's different now. In like my lifetime, everything will be different now. It's true. I mean, something silly, but it's like airports are very different now. 
very different. And lots of other things we can think of. I remember when my dad told me that he had cancer and there's, and there's no cure for his type of cancer. It was just like this thing just descended on me, like everything's going to be different now. Because I never had someone that close to me pass away before. More positively, it's like, it's like, a, like a marriage ceremony or like the birth of a child. I think of uh, David and Britt here with their twins this morning. Yeah, give it up for them. Dude, Britt was, at the end, she was hauling around 16 pounds of baby. 16 pounds of baby. Like, give it up for her. But that's an everything's different now, right? You have, they haven't had kids before, and now they have twins. Like, there's going to be before kids, and then there's after kids. Can I get an amen, David? That's right. And it's good. It's really good. It's beautiful. But everything's different now when you have kids. You're never going back. We're not going back to the way things used to be. And that's what's happening in these, in these opening verses. And to understand why Jesus would eagerly, one translation says, ours, uh, I believe, says earnestly desired to do this with his disciples, you have to understand the historical background. Like, what's going on with a Passover? Some of you might be new to your Bibles, so let me just bring you up to speed on what's going on here and why this is so significant for what they're doing in our text the significance of the Jewish Passover meal. So once a year, a, a, a Jewish person would gather, and it still happens today, would gather with his or her family, and they would celebrate the Passover meal where they would remember God's saving grace to them in rescuing them from the hand of Pharaoh and slavery in Egypt, right? So let's just review what happened, okay? Okay. God comes to Moses. There's a lot of backstory here, but I'll just go fast. God comes to Moses, burning bush. I'm going to raise you up, Moses. I'm going to use you. You're going to go to the most powerful man in the, in the known world, and you're going to say to him, I want you to let my people go so they can worship me. And Moses complains about it, but then he does it. And Moses says yes, and then he's, or sorry, Pharaoh says yes, and then he says no, and Pharaoh says yes, and then he says no, and all these plagues. It's crazy. Final plague. Pharaoh's heart is hardened. The final plague is this. Pharaoh, if you don't let my people go, every firstborn son of every household is going to be judged. It's going to die. And the Egyptians received the wrath of God in this horribly graphic way. And the same was going to be true of all of the families of God's people as well, unless, unless they listened to God's word and lived it out by faith. So what was God's word? They were to take a spotless lamb, and kill it, and place its blood over the doorpost of their house. And when the angel of death came by and saw the blood over the doorpost, it would, quote, pass over. 
It would pass over that house. That's why it's called Passover. It would move. It would, it would not pour out its wrath on that house and the killing of the firstborn son. And so this annual meal was to memorialize, to remember that event, to praise God for his mercy, to praise God for the lamb that, that bore the wrath of God in their place, to rescue them from the hand of God's enemies and deliver them to worship freely their God, their deliverer. But Jesus is saying, right here in this text, that no longer from now on is going to be the understanding of the Passover. He says, I'm going to radically redefine the Passover and show you that all that, all that that happened in the Old Testament, many centuries ago and continued century after century afterwards, all of that, centuries of repetition, all of it, was pointing to one moment, this moment right here. It's like he's looking at the guys and like all of that was for this moment right here. You're participating in something so significant and it's happening right now. In, in essence, what Jesus is saying is the Passover meal that you will celebrate as any good Jew would do is going to be now centered on me. That tenth plague of the blood of the lamb and the judgment that fell and the mercy that was shown to those who believed, that all happened those years ago to point to this moment right here. Like Jesus is saying, I am the lamb of God who takes the judgment on himself so that you can be spared when you believe God's word by faith. He's saying, I am the lamb of God, the perfect spotless lamb who experienced death so you don't have to. He's saying, I am the Lamb of God whose blood is over your, the metaphor of, of the doorpost of your life. And it says, God's wrath is absorbed by the Lamb. That's what Jesus is doing right here. It's this massive moment in the storyline of the Bible, and it's, and it's why we choose to do it every week at the Vine. And so all that to say, I think that's why Jesus is so eager to do this with his disciples. To celebrate, like it says in verse 15. The horror of the cross is looming for Jesus. But, but he is right here showing them that Christianity is now different from Judaism. It's being ushered in right now, right here in this moment. And that new thing that is coming about, it's so good, so beautiful, so important. The Lord's Supper is a means of remembering the gospel, causing us to be spiritually strengthened by looking back and looking forward. So let's continue to read. Look at verse 16. Well, let's just, to set the context, verse 15. And he said to them, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Verse 16, for I tell you, I will not eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given, given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. 
Verse 19, and he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So let's unpack this a little bit together. Look at verse 19 with me. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. So given for you. This is language of sacrifice. Like the Old Testament lamb was given. That was the old covenant. That was the old agreement. That was the old way of doing things. The new covenant that we're going to get to in a second now is the fulfillment of what the old covenant pointed to. Like we talked about last week with signs and symbols. The sign or the symbol has now become reality in Jesus. The symbol has become real life. The shadow has become the real thing. The lamb was given for century after century after century in the Old Testament sacrificial system, and it pointed to Jesus. Jesus is saying that time is now. I am given. This is my body, which is given for you. No more lambs given. I am the lamb of God. I am the final sacrifice. My body broken for you. Given as a gift. Like you don't give yourself to satisfy the wrath of God. Only a perfect spotless lamb will do. And that's Jesus. Not us. See, see that the vision of grace that's all over those words? Given for you. Like you can't do it. You don't measure up. But Jesus does. He is given. It's given. It's a gift. Like we don't earn. You, you just simply receive. It's what the Lord's Supper points to. It's what the Lord's Supper points to. There's another really important thing I want you to see in verse 19. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. I'm, I'm so thankful that Jesus said this and commanded this. Why? Because the Bible testifies from beginning to end that God's people are forgetful people. We're forgetful people. I listened to a, a really good sermon this week that reminded me of this, and it comes in Exodus 17, and God's people had just a few weeks earlier been rescued, like we talked about, from the hand of Pharaoh, dramatically. They passed through the waters of judgment. They passed through the Red Sea, and they go through and are saved safely, and, and God's enemies come behind, and they're judged through the water, and, and God's people are delivered in this amazing, radically earth-shattering miracle. I mean, can you imagine if you were there and, and, you, and that happened to you, right? How that would just like mark you forever, like God saved us in this way. And six, seven, eight, some weeks later, 
After they've been rescued, they're wandering around in the desert, and what do they do? They start to forget, and they complain. And they complain really bad, like, we don't have any water here, and basically they turn to Moses, and they're ready to kill him. And they complain against God, and they complain against Moses. Why would God rescue us to bring us out here and just kill us? So God's not good anymore. Moses isn't good anymore. I mean, it's so vivid. So much so that there's a psalm written about that event, Psalm 95. But here's the thing, like, we read Exodus 17, like, what's up with those people? Like, are we any better than that? Are we any better than them? That's why I had us do what we did this morning in our confession and how has God been good? How have I forgotten that? How can I pray that God would help me be a person of remembrance? Like, I'm, I'm so quick to forget how good God has been in my life. Like, I, I need personally repentance for this. Like, just one, one example from our lives, like, you know, uh, thinking of David and Britt and little babies, so many of you have little kids. Word of advice for those of you with little kids in the room, start saving your money now because teenagers get expensive, right? And it's not, I'm not begrudging that. It's just a reality, right? No one ever told me that when my kids were little. Uh, the older they get, they eat more food, they, use, they take half an hour showers that jacks up your water bill, what's up, Autumn? And, uh, and uh, like all these different things, you know, they break their leg and, you know, all these co-pays and such. No, I mean, but here's the thing, um, my kids, they know I'm just messing with them and they know I love them. Um, but, like, money's been a little tighter for us. Unexpected uh, medical bills... We've got, like, a wedding coming up, braces, hello, unexpected things with our house, and it's easy for me to, like, worry. Now, listen, I'm not saying this because we lack anything. We lack nothing. My, my kids have never once gone to bed cold and hungry, right? So I'm not saying that because, like, we're... I'm just saying this because it's to show how easy for me it is to like be like those Israelites in Exodus 17 and just be like, God, what are you doing? Like, we're, what's happening? And I forget, like, over and over again, like, we've been in way worse financial situations in my past, and God has come through. And I get these little bumps in the road, and your, your brain just starts to freak out, like, well, is God going to provide? Da, da, da. It's like, yeah, he's going to provide. It's going to be okay. Like, have we not always seen God provide for us in my immediate family? Yes. I could tell you a story upon story. So our Heavenly Father knows this about us. Like, you all can say the same about your lives, I'm sure. And our Heavenly Father knows this about us, that we're such forgetful people. And what does he do? He gives us a faithful, regular symbol of remembrance that we're supposed to do as often as we gather. And he, it's just our Lord saying, don't forget. I know you're forgetful. So here's this thing that I will give you every seven days that will be physically taken into your body that you will experience with your taste buds. 
to help you remember the truth of the gospel that you believe. God is so faithful to do this for us. Look at verse 20. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup is poured out for you, that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Recall what I, I said just a second ago. This is what's new about the new covenant. And there's lots we could say about new covenant promises. But the nearest thing in terms of new, what's new about this new covenant that Jesus is talking about here, in contrast from the old, a lot we could say, but the nearest thing to the text is just this. That Old Testament, Passover lamb, sacrificial system, Remembering the grace of God over and over again in that annual meal, that's over now. Jesus is the reality. He is the lamb that's given. It's his body and blood. No more body and blood of the lambs to bear the wrath of God in our place. That substitute is over. The final true substitute is here. He is the gift. He is the reality. Like, don't let it be lost on you. We're not slaying goats and sheep and bulls and rams anymore on Sunday mornings, right? We never have on Sunday morning, but you know what I mean, <laughs> thankfully. Uh, we, we, don't do, we don't do animal sacrifice anymore as Christians. Christians have never done animal sacrifice. Why? Because of this table here and this table here. The reality has come. And this continual remembrance is given so that we can be spiritually strengthened through remembrance. What are we remembering? Like, think about what I've said thus far. It's a gift. He is given, not us. We're not given. He's given. Why? Because we're forgetful people. It's a regular remembrance for the sake of our memory because we're forgetful. The Lord's Supper is a means of remembering the gospel, causing us to be spiritually strengthened by looking back and looking forward. So I, we've talked about looking back, right? Jesus says, do this in remembrance. That's a form of looking back. We, we've looked back at the Old Testament sacrificial system. It's no more. The reality has come. No more shadows and signs and symbols. The reality is in Jesus but what about this looking forward? What does the Lord's Supper have to do with looking forward? We look back and we look forward every time we come to the Lord's table. Well, look at what he says in verse 16 and also in verse 18. He says it twice for the sake of emphasis, I think. Verse 16. For I tell you, I will not eat... This, this meal of celebration, this Passover meal, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then verse 18, for I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine, meaning I will not share a glass of wine with you. I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So what does that mean? What is he saying well, you can see there's a future orientation here, right? 
until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God, verse 16. Look at verse 18 again. Until the kingdom of God comes. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying there will be a day when the final kingdom of God will come and will be established. Like he's saying, what you're going to see in a few hours, it's not going to look like it. It's going to look like darkness is reigning. That darkness is ruling and reigning. But he's saying right here, that's not going to be the final word. There will be a kingdom of God that will come and be finally and fully established. And in that day, we're going to drink wine together. Meaning celebration. There will be a new heavens and new earth that the book of Revelation talks about. There will be a remaking of this world where all wrongs are made right. Where justice will reign, where Jesus will reign, where tears will be no more, where life eternal will be enjoyed with the glory of God at the center. I love that Jesus makes this comment when it comes to teaching his followers about it and establishing it as, as a new way of doing things. In the moment that signifies Jesus' darkest hour, he still reminds his followers that darkness is not going to ultimately have the upper hand. Right? He's saying, look to the future. Look to the coming day when they're going to, and the disciples didn't understand what was going on here, but he still said it, that they would reunite in the kingdom of God that will be fully established one day. And they'll enjoy good food and good drink together. Like, like darkness may reign right now, and, and, and there are things that are not as they're supposed to be right now. Evil seems to rule and reign right now and have the upper hand, but Jesus is saying, remember, there's coming a day when, there's coming a day when, there's coming a day when all things will be made right. And we will celebrate together in the fully realized and established kingdom of God. See it? He says it twice. Kingdom of God. Kingdom of God. It's coming. No matter what you see in the next few hours, it's coming. So how does the Lord's Supper help us with a future orientation? Well, I think it's it's simply this, that we're similar to those disciples then. They're about to experience an absolute catastrophe in their worldview when they see Jesus on that cross, and they don't understand what the heck is going on. And he's dead. And it seems like darkness is reigning. Some of you in the room are feeling that even right now to some degree. That you're in the midst of something that it's really, really hard, and you don't understand what's going on. And I think the Lord's Supper is here to remind us. Jesus is here to remind us in verse 16 and verse 18 that your day of suffering will not last forever. The cross that you bear, the metaphorical cross that you bear, you will not bear forever. Like you're crying out to Jesus. There's at times when all of us in our lives feel like we have our own personal garden of Gethsemane moments. Like that will not last forever. Like Jesus promises here that evil will not have the last word. Like God gets the last word. 
The kingdom of God gets the last word. His goodness, his holiness will have the final word. And so let the Lord's Supper remind you that every time as you look back and remember, you look forward to these promises that he said. Jesus endured the darkness on our behalf so that we know it won't speak the final word over us. Like, because Jesus took the nails, we know that God's wrath has been exhausted and will never find those who are in Jesus. Because Jesus climbed the, the horrible hill to crucifixion, we know that he too carries our burden, our sorrows, our shame, so that those things can never define us. Like, we're now defined by Jesus' life, death, and resurrection Credit to us as a gift. The Lord's Supper reminds us of that. So let the Lord's Supper remind you of your past. Jesus is your past. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is the main thing you think about when it comes to the past. And it's also the main thing that you think about when it comes to the future. The Lord's Supper is a means of remembering the gospel causing us to be spiritually strengthened by looking back and looking forward. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this sign, symbol, sacrament that you have given. May it accomplish its purposes that you've ordained for us here in your, in your, in your word. And may that come to pass in our experience every week when we take of it. Um, Lord, would you help us? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I think we have time for maybe a question or two. Um, Jackie, can I use your phone? Because I don't have Slack on my phone. I forgot to download it. Thank you. Should kids take communion if they have not been baptized? That is a great question. Um, yeah, we, we have probably haven't done a, a good enough job leading out on this as elders, and so it's good to address this right now. So last week we talked about baptism. What's baptism? Baptism is the sign and symbol of being united to Christ, um, being buried with him in his death, being raised to walk in newness of life. So he was dead, buried, raised, we're united to him spiritually, and those things are now true of us. We symbolize that in baptism, and that is, here's the point, that is what happens after you confess faith in Christ. So confess, turn from your sin, repent, trust Jesus, and then after that, what's, what's the biblical model? You get baptized. And so that's, what we would say is, and what most theologians have said is that baptism is the entry point of this of the Christian life. Okay. So then the Lord's Supper then is the sign and the symbol of continuing in the Christian life. Okay? And so we would just say that if your kids have not been baptized, you you want to do them in the right order, right? So you don't want to partake in the Lord's Supper if you're not a Christian. And that's why we talk about that every Sunday. And so if you are a Christian, then you should get baptized. And then after you get baptized, uh, you will partake in the Lord's Supper. 
So there's a, 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 an order that just makes sense based on what we see in the scriptures. And so um, that might lead to the question of, uh, how do I know if my kids should be baptized? And we have some resources on that, that if you're thinking about that as, as, a, as a family, um, talk to James Davenport, and he's got a, a short paper that we've written about discerning uh, your kids' baptism and when they're ready for that. Um, and we would love to share that with you. You need to unlock this for me. I need to just remember to download Slack. I'm, I'm a loser. I'm sorry. All right. Um, let's see here. Um, does the specific communion food and drink matter? Wine versus juice versus water, bread versus another grain versus like, hey, beef jerky. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, now, honestly, this get, does get into some interesting things. Um, so uh, the, the reality is the, it's, very, it's hard to believe that the first believers were drinking grape juice. Um, wine was very common in the ancient biblical world. Um, and it, it would have been strange for Jesus and his disciples. I mean, he's talking about the fruit of the vine. That's explicitly the vine, grapevine, becomes not grape juice, it becomes wine. And that's what was happening um, all throughout the ancient world as a custom. And so, uh, should we drink wine? I mean, I haven't run this by the elders. That would be my preference. Um, and I think we, maybe we will do that. And we give you a choice, you know? I mean, there's probably something about uh, Christians and alcohol that historically has become a thing where churches have switched from um, actual wine to grape juice. But here's the thing that I think is important about the symbol and the profundity of it. I hinted at it last week, but there's something about grape juice that is very, very sweet in conjunction from what's more bitter in wine and the symbolism there is, is, is important. The cross was bitter. It was not sweet for Jesus. And so that's another form of symbolism that I think is profound. Um, I don't know what we're going to do in the future, but I, I could see a, a point at which if, um, if you maybe have a history of alcohol abuse or something, we'd say, yeah, don't take wine. But everyone else or whatever reason, like if you can drink alcohol, drink it. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's something we do in the future. I'm not making a statement about what we're going to do next week. But um, I think there is something important about that. But here's the deal. Um, I, I think there's grace for us. God has grace for us. There's, there's, there's lots of um, missionary stories where you don't have maybe in some remote part of the world access to like the same kind of bread that maybe Jesus had or you don't have access to wine. Maybe it's a financial thing. Like, I think there's grace for that because the point here is not the actual substance in terms of, like, um, the, the point is, do you remember? Do you remember? Like, I mean, it, it sounds silly, but, you know, could you break a Twinkie and remember Jesus? Yes, you could. Is that ideal? Well, maybe not. Maybe it would be distracting. But the point is, I think the Lord has grace for us when our hearts are pure and we're trying to do the best we can when it comes to these symbols. Um, and so 
Does it matter? Well, maybe, maybe not. I think that's uh, a lot has to do with context. Um, and so there's been lots of debates about the proper practicing of, um, like, for example, I'm, I don't want to open up a can of worms, but hey, sure, I will. Uh, like, when, when, we, um, when we take the, the, the cup and we dip it and take it to our seat, that's called intinction. And there's certain people that would say, like, that's not the right way to do it, and we're a sinful church, and people get really wound up about that certain, the way that we practice it. But the Bible doesn't give you, ex, like, explicit instructions about the exact minutia about how we should do the Lord's Supper. What's the point? The point is what we talked about this morning. Are you remembering Jesus? Are you remembering that this is a gift given? Is it causing you to think about the future of what this is accomplished for the sake of your future? That's the point, okay? So I don't think it's important for us to get bogged down in details that the Bible's not explicit about the details. Uh, I think we'll leave it at that. There's a few more questions that I might um, address later this week, so look out for that. And I've given us uh, an intro to the Lord's Supper. That's the sermon. So if you, if you have, believe in Jesus and have been baptized, uh, we would invite you to the table, and the, the musicians and the servers can come forward right now. Um, you can come out the outside aisles and return to your seat this way. And in light of what you've heard this morning about what the Bible says about the Lord's Supper, I encourage you to fight for that remembrance this morning as you come. So please come as you're ready.